I am glad that soon we will be bringing back open gym basketball nights to FBCO. Very excited about that. In the four years that we have held this, we've had over 330 different individuals come and play at Open Gym. We've had former college basketball players come. We've had uh, players filled with talent. Uh, a couple years ago, we had a high schooler come who was in the top 100 prospects in the nation. Just a lot of great players have come and played at Open Gym. Well, at one open gym, I met an individual who, he played in college, and he also tried out for a professional NBA team. And before I ever saw him play, everyone told me about him. They said he was so amazing. They told me the only reason he wasn't playing in the NBA is because the year he tried out, that team just didn't need somebody at his position, so he's the last one to get cut. And they said he was just so great at basketball, and I'll be honest with you, that's when the competitive part inside of me came out. And I said, it can't be that good. And then I saw him play. I mean, if he wanted to score, he scored. He was quicker than everybody else. He seemed to never miss a shot. His team never lost. I mean, there were plenty of other great players that came out on the nights that he was there. He was just a better player. And... It was one thing to hear all of this praise, all of this hype about this individual. But when I finally saw it for myself, I couldn't deny it any longer. He was just a greater player than the rest of us. And you know, when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we find that there were a lot of people who were skeptical about the Lord, about who he is, about the things that they had heard about him. And the real difference came when those people got a chance to meet Jesus when they heard the things that he said, when they saw the works that he was doing, because these things proved just how great he truly is. A few weeks ago, we talked about recognizing Jesus as greater than ourselves and our lives as Christians. And this morning, as we turn to John chapter 5 together, John chapter 5, my prayer is that we will also recognize that Jesus is greater than anyone or anything else in this life as well. John chapter 5. We're going to see that Jesus is greater. And I know that this sounds like a simple truth. I just think that it's a truth that's very easy for us to lose sight of as Christians. And when we lose sight of this truth, that's when we fail to give Jesus the proper place in our lives as Christians. It's also when we fail to realize that we live in a world full of people who think that all their pursuits and all their desires are so great, and we need to point them to the one who is far greater than all those things. That's Jesus Christ. So let's look together in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool and the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, 
someone else goes down ahead of me. I'm going to pause for a moment here. Some of your translations might include verse 4. And verse 4 says, And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Now, the reason that some translations do not include this verse is because it's not found in some of the older biblical manuscripts. It's believed that this was added later by a scribe as a way of clarifying or explaining the text. But the point remains that at this pool, there were people with different sicknesses and infirmities who were hoping that they could get into the water at a specific time to be healed. People like this man, who had waited a long time just, just hoping that this water would change his life and cure him. As time went on, I can only imagine that he started to feel quite hopeless. And then Jesus came. Look at verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. A man who had been paralyzed for 38 years was now walking. He had waited so long, just hoping, hoping that this might happen. Hoping that this water could make him well and change his life. But it wasn't until he came face to face with the Savior that his life was truly changed. And the the same way that this man who spent years putting his hope in the wrong things, things that couldn't save, things that couldn't deliver, that's what people are doing today. This is what people are doing. So many people are putting their hope in earthly things, like cars, careers, clothes, hoping that these things are going to bring them safety, security, comfort, purpose, and peace. But when this life comes to an end, they're going to find that all these things are worthless and they're separated from God. This world is full of people putting their hope in earthly things and believers, we need to tell them that Jesus is greater than any earthly hope that they have. Because none of these other things can save their souls. You want to know what's sad about this story? From all appearances, This man who was miraculously healed by Jesus, he still didn't grasp just how great the Lord truly is. Surely he had this, this overwhelming excitement when he was healed that came crashing down as soon as the Jewish leaders came over and said, Hey, what are you doing, you lawbreaker, carrying your mat on the Sabbath? I mean, his joy must have turned to fear in an instant. And after that, his actions show that he was more concerned 
with the religious leaders, with their approval, with their rules and their traditions, than he was concerned with the one who actually healed him. You see, this man, he had misplaced priorities. And you know what? He wasn't the only one. Look at verse 16. It says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. That all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Let's pause here. Let's understand a few things. The Jewish leaders were mad. Forget that a a life-changing, life-altering miracle was performed on that day. Because all they could focus on was that that day, that was a Sabbath day. And they were mad because they had made a mockery of the Sabbath. You see, the Jewish religious leaders took the Sabbath which was a day that was supposed to be a benefit, not a burden to the people. And they took that day and turned it into a day where they piled on all these man-made rules. They lost sight of the fact that the purpose of the Sabbath was for God's people to have physical rest, spiritual rejuvenation, and to focus on God. And here comes this formerly paralyzed man whose physical state has never been better And he just received the greatest spiritual moment in his life because he came face to face with the Son of God. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the best Sabbath day that man ever had. But you see, the Jewish leaders, they didn't want anything to do with that. They didn't want anything to do with this because the Sabbath, the law, and their legalistic traditions, these were the greatest things to them. These hard-hearted leaders needed to understand the truth that Jesus, Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. 
Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. He's greater than all the traditions that they held so dearly. So Jesus tells them that the Father, the Father doesn't stop working. The Father doesn't stop displaying mercy, giving grace, healing people on the Sabbath. Neither does the Son. And they understood that when He said this, that Jesus was saying He's of the same nature as the Father. And so He's making Himself one with God. In other words, you want to know why Jesus is greater than the Sabbath? Why He's greater than all their traditions? Why He's greater than all of our traditions? It's because Jesus is the Son of God. That's why. He's the one who gives physical and spiritual life. He's the one who's going to judge all people at the appointed time. He's the one who's supposed to be equally honored alongside the Father. And you can, you can just practically imagine the Jewish leaders. As Jesus says all these things, their heads spinning, gritting their teeth, clenching their fists, looking for stones to throw at Jesus. But imagine how different their lives would have been if they had let go of their traditions and clung on to the Son of God. Imagine how different it would be if they had been free from these crushing man-made burdens and came to the only one who could set them free, who could throw those burdens off and tell them to get up and walk. Imagine how different that would have been for them. But they held so tightly to their traditions that they ignored the miracle and the one who performed it. And they lost sight of the fact that someone so much greater was standing right in front of them. And here's the thing, believers. If we aren't careful, this can happen to us today too. I mean, how many churches have become divided because they couldn't take their eyes off their traditions and put them solely on Jesus Christ in the pursuit of Him? That's why they say that some of the famous words of dying churches are, We've never done it that way before. It's because we hold on to our traditions, to our ways of doing things. And we need to make sure that we're holding on tightest to Jesus Christ. You see, when we hold our traditions in higher esteem than the Savior, that's when we become distracted from the work that He wants to do in our midst. That's, that's when we're in danger of becoming as spiritually empty in our worship as the temple in Jerusalem was. See, a lot of these Jewish individuals, they were holding their traditions up higher, and as greater than the Savior. Do we ever do that, believers? Verse 31, Jesus continued. He said, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you might be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you don't have the love of God in your hearts. I've come in my Father's name and you do not accept me. 
But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So Jesus knew that these leaders weren't going to accept his own testimony. So he goes ahead and he lists several other witnesses to who he is. You know, John the Baptist was one of the first prophets, one of the first heaven-sent prophets to Israel in many years. And even John testified that Jesus is the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. But the Jewish leaders, see, they rejected John as a prophet. But if they wanted more human testimony, they could just go back and read the Scriptures. The, the prophets before John, in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, those prophets were constantly pointing to the coming Messiah. Jesus was fulfilling the very words that they wrote, the same words that these Jewish leaders claimed to be diligent students of. But more than just human testimony, they could look at the actual things that Jesus was doing. He was performing miracles. Remember how we got here. They were upset because Jesus healed someone from a decades-long infirmity on the Sabbath. That's why they're upset. If they had any sense... Well, they would have responded the way that Nicodemus did. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. I mean, instead, these Jewish leaders, they claim that Jesus, Jesus is a sinner. He's a Sabbath breaker. He's a blasphemer. Even though he was doing things that no sinner has the power to do. It's like when the Pharisees tried to claim that Jesus cast out demons by the power of Satan. It's just all, all foolishness. They tried to deny his works. But the Father also testified to the Son in the Scriptures, at his baptism. Yet these unbelievers with hard hearts, they were so dull that all these things escaped their notice. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think the next part, the next thing Jesus said, I think it would have been the most upsetting for them. Look at verse 45. Jesus said, But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Moses, Moses was a great leader in Israel's past. Servant of God, a man to be admired. Well, the problem is, many of the Jews, they, they admired him too much. They elevated Moses too highly. In fact, they had more hope in Moses in the words that he wrote than they had in the Son of God and the words that he was speaking to them right here. Yet, even Moses wrote about the one who was greater than himself. He wrote about the Messiah. So Jesus says on that day that these unbelieving leaders stand in judgment, even Moses is going to accuse them. Because they elevated Moses above the Savior that Moses wrote to tell them about. You see, the next truth they needed to understand is that Jesus, Jesus is greater than all the people they were elevating in their lives. He's greater than the prophets, greater than Moses. And you know what? Jesus' works prove that. The Father's testimony proves that, but they rejected it. 
Because these leaders, they were so starstruck by people like Moses and the prophets that they ignored the Son of God who was standing in front of them. Believers, have we ever gotten that way in life, though? We elevate so much people that we ignore the Son of God in our lives. Where maybe we, we elevate celebrities, politicians, people on social media above the Son of God. Let's be honest, a lot of us think that that's kind of a silly thing to say. We would never do that. But think about it for just a minute. We can know that's what we're doing when we put our hope in those people first. When we feel down, when we feel lost, when we feel confused, when we need direction and wisdom, do we look to people to put us back on track first instead of the Son of God? Because if so, if we look to people first, then we can be confident that our hope isn't in the right place, that we've elevated the wrong person, that we've forgotten that Jesus is greater than anyone else in this world. You know, the world does this all the time. Elevate people higher than Jesus. We can expect that. They don't know any better. But unfortunately, sometimes we do it as believers too. Believers, the question for us this morning is, do we see ways in our lives where we are elevating people or traditions or things above Jesus? Where do we go first for truth, for comfort, for peace, for wisdom, for direction? Because if it isn't Jesus, then we need to evaluate if we have removed him from the place of prominence he deserves in our lives. Jesus is worthy of all honor. And you see, we need to address this first in our lives. We need to address this so that we can get back to the gospel mission we've been called to. Once we recognize Jesus as greater than anyone or anything else, then our eyes will be open to the fact that like the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day, there are many unbelievers in our day who are putting their hope in all the wrong places. That this world is full of people putting their hope in earthly things, in other people, in traditions, to save them, to direct them, to give them purpose in life. And we need to point them to the only one who can save them to the one who is greater than all these things, and that's Jesus. Believers, the truth for us this morning is this. If we believe that Jesus is greater than anything or anyone else, then we need to tell someone else about him. Understand that. If we, if we can actually say we believe, I believe, that Jesus is greater than anything and anyone else, if that's true, one of the ways we're going to demonstrate that is by telling someone else about him. You see, Jesus, he's not just great. He's greater than anything else this world has to offer. He's the only Savior. And believers, people need to know him. And maybe you're joining us today here on campus or online or on the radio. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you have never put your faith in him as your Savior. And if that's true for you, I want you to understand, I don't know what you're putting your hope in in this life. You're putting your hope in people in your own knowledge and possessions. And maybe these things will even bring you a good life. I just want you to understand they're going to be worthless when this life is over. When you stand before God, all these things you've put your hope in, they're not going to save you. The Bible says that all of us have sinned against God and that the only just punishment when we stand before Him is that He will send us forever away from His presence into a place called hell. And none of these earthly things are going to save us in that moment. The only one who can save us is the one who is far greater than all these earthly hopes, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life, and at the end died on the cross to take our place 
for sins. Take the punishment you and I deserve. And after he died, he powerfully rose from the dead. And he's standing in heaven right now waiting to offer you forgiveness and salvation. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you have never made that decision, don't go another day without making that decision. Would you pray with me? Friend, if that's you, if you're with us and you know Jesus isn't your Savior, you've never given Him your life. You know that you're hoping in all these worthless things. Things that can't save you, can't make you right in God's sight. If that's true, please know that today that can all change. Wherever you are physically, wherever you are in life, Jesus is waiting to save you. Go to Him right now in prayer. Confess the fact that you know you're a sinner. You've done wrong things. Put your faith in Him, His death on the cross, His resurrection. Give Him your life. He'll forgive you and He'll save you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would be with those of us who have made that decision. Because sometimes we don't elevate Jesus the way that we should. Before we know it, we're putting possessions and traditions and other people on these pedestals in our life. We look to them instead of to Christ. Forgive us when we do that. If any of us have been doing that, I pray that your spirit would open our eyes to it. That we would allow your son to have his proper place. That we would honor him above all others in this life. And when our hearts are right, pray that you would then give us a great burden on our hearts for the gospel so that we could be pointing others to the one who is far greater, and that's Jesus. Father, we love you. You proved 2,000 years ago when you sent your son that you love us more, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.